In order to support our show, we need the help of some great advertisers. And we want to make sure those advertisers are ones you'll actually want to hear about. But we need to learn a little more about you to make that possible. So go to podsurvey.com slash artofman and take a quick anonymous survey that will help us get to know you better. That way, we can bring on advertisers you won't want to skip. Once you've completed the quick survey, you can enter for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Terms and conditions apply. Again, that's podsurvey.com slash artofman, A-R-T-O-F-M-A-N, podsurvey.com slash artofman. Thanks for your help. Brett McKay here, and welcome to another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. So there's a guy's name, Lewis House. Some of you probably listened to his podcast, but he's got an interesting story. Uh, he had aspirations to be a professional football player, and he was making it happen for himself, uh, starting off with the Canadian Football League and some of the minor league football uh, teams here in the States. But then he had an injury that ended his career, and he ended up on his sister's couch for a year, broke, no money, and just completely in a funk. Uh, and then he started, uh, somehow he started a business online and uh, it was a big success. And then he went on to other things uh, and started a podcast where his goal was just to interview influencers, thinkers who uh, had insights on how to live a more flourishing life. Uh, it's called The School of Greatness. And recently, Lewis just released a book by the same title, School of Greatness, where he talks about some of the insights he, that he, he's gleaned over the two years of doing this podcast. So today on the podcast, Lewis and I discuss the school of greatness and what it means to live a flourishing life and how to do it. All right, Lewis House, welcome to the show. Thanks, Brad. Appreciate it, man. All right, so before we get started, let's get a little background on you. Uh, you have a podcast, School of Greatness. I know there's a couple of our, I know a lot of our readers listen to it. Got a book coming out, School of Greatness as well. But what did you do before you had a podcast where you're interviewing influencers and people who are doing awesome things. What were you doing before with your life? I was, uh, in my early adulthood, I was chasing my dream to be a pro athlete. So I played arena football for a season down in Alabama and in, in Columbus, Ohio as well. And got in, got injured during the season, had to have a surgery on my wrist where I broke my, broke my wrist and then was in a full arm cast for six months. And it was at that time where it was a huge transition point in my life. You know, my whole childhood, I grew up thinking I was going to be this pro athlete and now it's all I'm going to do. I had no backup plan. I wasn't really good in school. Um, so I put my energy into after school activities like sports. And I was sleeping on my sister's couch after I had this surgery because I didn't have any money. I didn't have anywhere to stay. So I was there for about a year and a half sleeping on her couch recovering. And it was a six month cast recovery time. And it was extremely depressing and just it was just a lot of uncertainty at this point in my life. I was around 23, 24, and I had no clue what was next. Um, but luckily, I, I read a book over Christmas break in 2007 that changed my life. It was a four-hour work week, which I'm, I know you know, Tim. And I remember reading this book thinking, I had no clue this stuff was even possible, that you could do this stuff online, that you could build a business. I didn't know anything about entrepreneurship. And it opened me up to a whole world of possibilities. So for the next four or five years, I worked like a, a man on a mission to figure this stuff out and figure out how to build something and marketing and branding and networking and public speaking. And I took classes on everything 
and ended up building uh, an online business where I was creating educational courses, uh, originally about LinkedIn and then other social media trainings. Sold that company and was in another transition phase of my life trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And that's how the School of Greatness was born. Awesome. Yeah, I, I first heard about you with the LinkedIn thing. I just knew you as the yep. LinkedIn guy. Yep, that was it. I was hustling hard on that. You were hustling hard at it before, like before it was like really big. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got in there. Yep. Okay, so let's let's talk about this uh, this school of greatness thing. All right, it's called the school of greatness. That greatness gets thrown out thrown around a lot. People are really yeah. talking about. I'm going to live a great life. Here's your great life now. Blah 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 blah. Uh, how do you define greatness in your book and in your podcast? Yeah, you know. It's interesting because I'm always curious what other people think it means to them and their definition. That's what I ask at the end of my every episode. Yeah, you asked me that question. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's great to see the responses, you know, it's, it's a wide range of responses. And I think greatness is uh different for all of us, but for me right now, greatness is discovering and making the most of the gifts and the talents you are born with to pursue whatever dreams you have in your life. And then with that, making the biggest impact on the maximum amount of people in the world through living your dreams. Nice. You know, that sounds a lot a lot like the Greek concept of eudaimonia. or flir- it's It means flourishing, mm. right? It's like, well, a lot of people translate it as happiness, but I like flourishing as a better translation. It's just like living your best life possible. Yes, that's it. Right. Okay. I that's like it. that. <laughs> Greatness is eudaimonia. And it, yeah, there you go. And it's different for everyone. You know, the, it, for the mom who's got two kids, it may just be like, I want to live a great family life and support my husband and also build something on the side, you know? And then for the the college kid, it may be, I want to build a billion dollar company and change the world. It's different for everyone, but it doesn't have to look the same. doesn't have to look the same. All right. So in, in your book, you, you sort of um, lay out steps yes. to uh, developing, you, we'll say greatness or eudaimonia. Um, your first step was having a vision for your life. Yes. I'm a big believer in like having a, a, a life plan and all that things, but what is the process that you use to create a vision for your life and your business, et cetera? I, I think it's, I think it starts off in the most basic way and it starts off with doing the things we used to do. When we were in five, six, seven years old, which is literally playing in the playground, dreaming of what we want to do when we grow up. And it may sound lame or, or. Or yeah, it may sound weird, but <clears throat> literally, I don't think we dream enough as adults. I don't think we ha- take the time to go sit in nature alone with no computer, no laptop uh, or phone or anything, and literally lay there and dream what a perfect day could look like for us if we could have anything and do anything. Because I truly believe we are the authors of our life if we want to be. What do we want to create? What's the story we want to tell? And we don't do that enough in general. The people that I'm connected to, they're always busy-minded as opposed to calm and dreaming-minded. So what I tell people is to do an exercise that I have. It's called the perfect day exercise. And with this, literally go in nature for an hour. It may be one of the hardest things you ever do because you're so connected to your phone and, and thinking of the things you want to do. But go into nature for an hour, no one else. Take a, a piece of paper or a notepad and, and, a, and a pen and sit there and dream about all the things that you desire, all the things you desire for your relationships, your health, your life, the impact you want to have, your family, the, the type of things you want to be working on, where you want to be traveling. And then I want you to write down like a creative writing uh, exercise, write down <clears throat> 
the moment you wake up to the moment you go to bed, what a perfect day could look like for you. It's just about dreaming and visualizing it so you can actually see it in your mind. Write it down. It could be, you know, I wake up in the morning in my king-size bed looking over the ocean, smiling because I'm sleeping next to the woman of my dreams and I can't believe she's with me. It could start off like that and then walk through the rest of your day. What are you doing? Where are you going? What are you experiencing? What are you feeling? Everything. From there, you've got kind of a map, a mind map of how you want to live your life if it was the ultimate life you could have to start seeing yourself living it. After that, there's a second part of this exercise where I have people take out another piece of paper. <clears throat> and when I was, did you play football back in, in high school or of, college? Of course. I, I grew up in Oklahoma. That's the religion go. here. Yeah. So I don't know if they had this in your high school, but for me, when I went to college, they really incorporated this. Uh, every day I would go to practice, I would show up and my locker would have a piece of paper just hanging in my locker that was the itinerary for the day, the day's practice. And it was so structured down to every minute of <clears throat> what we were doing, when we were drinking water, to wh how, what warm-ups were going to be, to the drills we were running. It told us everything we were going to do that day. And the coaches didn't just say, okay, guys, show up at the, uh, the field at 3.30 and we'll see what we create today. It wasn't like that. It was very structured and organized. To, in order for us to get everything we done, we needed to, to achieve our vision for that game, that coming up, that season, whatever it may be. So I want you to create an itinerary for your day from the moment you wake up at 8 a.m., 8.30, 9 o'clock, whatever it may be, all the way till 11 o'clock or midnight whenever you go to sleep and write down all the steps you're going to take action towards that fit into that dream you have and create an itinerary for yourself. Now, your perfect day, if it was the same thing every day, it'd get old, it'd be boring. So it's going to shift and evolve and change, but you want to start creating it now so you can start living that and start being in it. You know, <clears throat> if we went out to play sports and just said, okay, guys, let's just show up and see what we can create, it would probably be a lot more chaotic and it wouldn't be as purposeful or intentional. So I want you to do that first exercise because I think it could be very powerful for you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, when I, I remember doing that in, in sports, my, my coaches would have like this. They didn't give it us the schedule, but I know they had their schedule. And it was just like, right. we're moving on to you know, defense now. We're moving exactly. on to special teams. Like there was no dilly-dally. It's like, okay, this is what we're doing now. Yes. Um, and speaking of the itinerary, one thing that I did, I, I, this helped me out immensely when I was in law school, actually. I, 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 my goal was I wanted to be the best right? My class. Yes. And so like I created this schedule for me and it was like a, it was a, a spreadsheet on an, an Excel. It was the same thing every day. It was an itinerary down to the yep. minute. Um, and I followed it for three years and it just like, it, it was, a, it was a drag. It was a grind sometimes, <laughs> but it worked. It does, man. It worked. I'll tell you what, you know, I just interviewed a guy named John Maxwell, who's a big leadership author. Oh yeah. John C. Maxwell. Yeah, John C. Maxwell sold 25 million copies of his book, speaks to millions of people around the world. And he was like, you know, people ask me the, the key to success in business or life or whatever it may be. And he said, you don't have to be perfect every day. You just have to give your best and be really, really good every single day and do it for years. Do it for years consistently. And he said the, the compounding effect over time is unbelievable. And if you do just a good job every single day and give your best, over years, you're going to be really successful if you continue to be consistent. So, yeah, that's where it's at. You not, were consistent for three years. It was a grind. You probably weren't your. You probably weren't perfect 
every day, but you showed up every day doing your best. Yeah. The same with like fitness too. A lot of guys, people like, it's like, why am I seeing any progress? It's like, (laughs) well, have you stuck to the same program and the same diet for more than two months? Yeah, exactly. Or no. you take, or to take four cheat days this week. Yeah, and expect to, you know, expect to be the same. So got a carbo reload, right? Exactly. Yeah. Well, here's a question I have about vision because I'm a big proponent of this, but I, I've run into this problem, right? And this, it's this, right? Is how do you avoid what some cognitive psychologists called miswanting? So, like, you think you know, you think you know, you want something, mm. and you work really hard years to get it. And then you get it and you end up like, I don't like this. This is terrible. Here's a perfect example, like law school. Like I thought I wanted to be a lawyer since I was in high school. So I busted my chops to get into law school, work really hard in law school. Then I find, come to find, like I, I started, when I started interning at firms, like actually doing law work, I was like, this sucks. Like I, Mm. I don't want to do like this. I don't like this. Um, how do you avoid that though when you're creating a vision? Because like it's with vision, you're supposed to get very specific and, you know, very, create these very visceral things, but then. How do you know you want will like something if you don't have it yet? I think I think uh, when you figure out what you want to experience in your life, the the feelings you want to have, the people you want to spend your time with, the places you want to travel to, the smells, the tastes. When, when I think of a vision, I think of that. Like, how do I want to feel every single day? And then does does training for eight hours a day to, and then to go work for a law firm does that fulfill the desires of the feelings I want to have every single day? If so, cool, then I'm going to continue to pursue it until it doesn't. And I think sometimes we need to to go through things that we desire or we want until we realize we don't want them. Otherwise, we might always be thinking, oh, I really want that thing, or I, want, I, should, I should have gone after that, or what could have happened if I went after it. But now you know you don't want to be a lawyer anymore. So I think it's about figuring out the feelings that you want to have every day and then going towards whatever you want to create, the job, the career, the, the business you want to have that fits into those feelings. Yeah, but then be willing to adjust. Be willing to adjust. I mean, listen, when I was in high school, all I wanted was a girlfriend and to get into college, to play college football. That was my vision, right? And then when I was in college, my only vision was to be a pro athlete. And then when I was a pro athlete and got injured, I was like, okay, I don't know what my vision is. So it's like, it's a constant change, evolution. I look at life like a sport, right? It, there's seasons in sports. You can't just play in the playoffs and in the NFL every single week nonstop and ha- and not have a break. You'll die. So you've got to have seasons, you know, people retire after a season because they're like, "Okay, I don't want this anymore. This was my dream my whole life. I played in the NFL for 10 years. I'm beat up. I'm, I'm I want a different thing in my life. I'm in a different season of life." So it's it's okay if something you work on for years is not what you want anymore. Um, and I'm sure you had that with sports as well. You know, I used to love baseball. I played since I was five years old, playing yeah. t-ball. And then my senior year, I was just like, I'm burnt out. You know, I'd, I'd hurt my arm, and I was just like, this sucks. It's not as fun anymore. Like, it's just not inspiring. And so it's okay if my dream has shifted into something new. And the thing is, uh, a lot of people discount this. Like, you learn stuff in the process. Of course. Of achieving that one thing. That's what I, I get a lot of emails or letters from guys who are young, they're in their 20s, and they're like, I don't know what to do with my life. And they're in that moment where they want to make sure, like, they want, they think they have to get it right from the start. And I'm like, no, just pick <laughs> something. Like, do, like, have a vision and go for exactly. it. You might yeah. not, you might not end up doing that thing, but like, you're going to acquire skills, you're going to meet people, new opportunities will open up because you have taken action towards that one goal. And then you, you can feel free to choose your, change the story. 
Exactly. Right? And Brett, would you would you say that even though you realize you hated law or it wasn't for you or whatever, wouldn't you say that, man, you're glad that you you took on the law uh, and you you did that for years, you went to school, you practiced and because you learned a ton about how to run a business probably and how to be efficient and how to be consistent and research. Writing. And that's writing. writing. That's where I learned and, how to write was in law and, school. And would you, have a, would you say you'd have a successful blog as it is today without having years of training writing? No. No, of course so not. You gotta, so you got to look at that as like, okay, yeah. this was you know, tools that I learned to make me efficient in my new dream. And exactly. Then, and this isn't going to last forever. At some point, it's going to end. You know? It is going to end at some point. Some point, whether you sell it, you you die in a hundred years, whatever, it's going to end, right? Something's going to change, and you're going to move on to something else. You're going to be like, I'm tired of writing about men, you know? Like, I've written everything I can about what men can do to be manly. Um, Now I want to write about girly things. I don't know. So So let's talk about this. Uh, Sort of of, uh, segues nicely to to the next next question. Adversity. Uh, You talk it's it's an, an important aspect of living the school of greatness. Why is embracing adversity such an important aspect of living a flourishing life? Because it's going to happen no matter what. You know, we didn't just, we weren't born and we couldn't just talk and walk right away. We had to stumble and every day is a stumble towards growing into the person we want to become. So the greatest minds, the greatest athletes, the greatest businessmen, they all face some type of adversity um, along the way. And the bigger the dream the bigger the challenges, roadblocks, and adversity you're going to face. So if you can't learn to embrace it and say, okay, this is a challenge. This is in the way. Um, all it's telling me is that I need to learn something new in order to overcome it, or I need to grow into someone, or I need to attract a better team to help me evolve past this adversity. But it's when the people who see the adversity and then they say, you know what? It's too much for me to handle. I'm not going to cha- take it on. Uh, I'm going to stay where I'm at in my comfort zone. Those are the ones that aren't able to push past and grow as fast as everyone else because they're stuck in that adversity fear. So you've uh, you have highlighted a bunch of people in your book that you've interviewed and just that you come in contact with your uh, your business. Are there any people who stick out in your just top of mind that they overcame adversity that l- allowed them to do something even greater before the adversity? <clears throat> yeah, of course. I mean. Well, I think of Kyle Maynard as a great example. Do you know Kyle? I don't. He's a guy who was born without arms and legs. And he's got one of the most incredible stories. He's climbed Mount Kilimanjaro on his elbows, army crawling up the mountain. It took him 12 days to do it. He's fought in an MMA octagon fight against a guy with arms and legs who he always wanted the dream of, of fighting in the UFC, and he did his, uh, a fight. He was a high school wrestler against you know, people with arms and legs and was a champion wrestler. He does CrossFit. It's just like amazing how he lives his life. He lives alone and it's incredible. The adversity and the challenges he faces in a world that does not support people without arms and legs, how he can continue to be happy and, and go after his dreams and inspire other people along the way. Um, I think it's a great example. I always think of him whenever, whenever I'm struggling or feeling like sore or not happy about something happening in my life. I'm like, man, I have arms and freaking legs. Like, I have no excuse to to do what I want to do. Like, here's a guy who doesn't have half the body, literally, and he still does it. So there's no excuse. So for me, he's a great example of someone who just constantly overcomes adversity every day and is happy. 
That's awesome. Really cool. Um, so you also talk in the book about the importance of, of hustling. And I'm a big yes. believer, right? Like we, I wrote a post several years ago called The World Belongs to Those Who Hustle. Yes. I think it's true. It's based off of an Abraham Lincoln quote. Yep. Um, but you argue that there's, there are fears that hold people back from hustling. What are those fears and how do you overcome them? I think uh, the fear is um, success and failure. I think people are afraid. They're afraid to succeed. Um, because of what will come from that, what responsibilities, the platform they have, they may not feel comfortable uh, having that type of acknowledgement. Uh, they're afraid of that, but they're also afraid of looking bad. They're afraid of people judging them when they do succeed or if they fail, people saying, I told you so. And I think people get stuck in that, the fear of success and failure. And for me, it's um, it's a shame because I believe we're born to to step into the the greatness that we have from the gifts we have and make the most of them. And it's just a shame. I wish people would hustle more. Um, you know what I think other people are afraid of? There, a lot of people are afraid of with hustling is they don't want to look like they're trying too hard. Mm, but I don't understand that. Right. I'm like, you know, maybe you don't need to look like you're dying when you're doing it, but I think people appreciate others who work hard after their dreams and go for it and do whatever it takes. It's, you know, the, the coach in a basketball team doesn't just say, oh, you didn't chase for that ball. Um, you know, it's okay. He, he will put on the starting five, the player that dives on the court constantly to get the loose balls because he knows that's going to be the difference maker potentially at the end of the game between winning by a couple points or losing. Those that are willing to sacrifice their body, their energy um, for the greater good of the vision and hustle. You know, I'm talking about like diving for the loose balls of life. You got to be like a Larry Bird. Exactly. Most people don't dive for the loose balls in life because whatever. They don't want to look bad or they want to look stupid or like they're trying too hard. But tell me, when you watch someone diving on the court, who was the guy for the Cavs uh, last playoffs? Um, Delo Duveva or whatever his name is. I don't know if you watched the NBA playoffs last year. No. But there's a guy who should not have been on the court. He is like, I feel like I could beat him in a one-on-one game. But I'll tell you what, he scored like 20 points a game, and he was diving all over the place, like getting kneed in the head, diving into the stands, saving loose balls everywhere. And everyone loved this guy on the team and in the stands because, man, they saw someone who was hustling and giving his all for his dream. And for me, that's what's inspiring. When people do hustle and dive around on the court uh, of life, not when people are just like trying to play it cool and act like they have it all figured out and just don't care. That doesn't inspire me. Wedding season is coming up. And if you are preparing for the big day, I know wedding planning can be really intimidating, but finding the perfect suit shouldn't be. Indochino makes it easy to get a fully customizable suit right from your home. Don't just wear any suit on your big day. Wear a custom made-to-measure suit. Suits start at just $499, which is about the same price you'd pay for an off-the-rack suit at a department store. And they've also got custom made-to-measure shirts starting at just $89. So I've talked about my Indochino suit on the podcast before. They've been a longtime podcast sponsor. It's navy blue. The measuring process was super easy. They got these video guides you follow. You'll need another set of hands to help you out with that. But the really fun part is customizing it. Got to customize how I wanted the lapels on the jacket, the pockets, the lining. I went no pleats on the pants on this suit. A lot of fun. And then in a few weeks, you have a made-to-measure custom suit sent directly to your door. When planning your wedding, get a suit as unique as you with Indochino. 
Go to Indochino.com and use code MANLINESS to get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O.com, promo code MANLINESS. All right, so if you're like me, you've probably signed up for a whole bunch of stuff that has a recurring monthly fee. Subscriptions to newsletters, subscriptions to services that you use online, uh, could be a streaming service, something like that. You sign up for it and then you forget about it. And then every month you're getting charged and charged and charged and they just all add up and you have a hard time trying to figure out where did I sign up for this? I don't know where this is coming from. Let me tell you, there's an app that can help you with that. It's called Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all the app's features. I had a chance to use Rocket Money and it works. You connect your account to it and then it goes through your accounts and helps you find those recurring subscription fees that maybe you forgot about and then you can cancel them and save yourself a bit of money each month. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com manliness. That's rocketmoney.com slash manliness, rocketmoney.com slash manliness. Daylight saving time is starting up again. The goal of this is to give us more daylight from March through November. By setting our clocks forward, it may feel like there are more hours in the day, but if you're hiring, it doesn't necessarily help you find qualified candidates for your roles any sooner. There is only one way to do that, ZipRecruiter. And right now you can try it for free at ziprecruiter.com slash manliness. ZipRecruiter works around the clock to help you find qualified candidates. Once you post your job on ZipRecruiter, they send it to 100 plus job sites so you can reach more of the right people. ZipRecruiter smart technology also quickly scans thousands of resumes to identify people whose skills and experience match your job. Spring forward with a new hiring partner, ZipRecruiter, and find top talent sooner. See why four out of five employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash manliness. Once again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash manliness. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Picture that thing you've always wanted to learn. All right, you got that in your head? Now picture learning it from the person who's literally the best at it in the world. That's what you get with Masterclass. This year, learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors, and many of these instructors are former AOM podcast guests. You can learn negotiation from Chris Voss, leadership skills from Jocko Willink, how to master your habits with James Clear. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's no risk. So recently, I went through the masterclass on negotiation with Chris Voss. A lot of useful information in there. Talked about the value of knowing a negotiation, how to use your body language and speech patterns to get your best out of a negotiation. Very well done. I really enjoyed it and got a lot out of it. Right now, listeners of our podcast can get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash AOM. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash AOM. Masterclass.com slash AOM. Check out the masterclass on negotiation with Chris Voss. I like the tryhards. I like that. Um, so here's a related question is I know a lot of people who are really great at hustling. They know how to work hard and smart. But the thing is, they, they still seem not to get anywhere in life because they don't have any self-initiative, right? Like they're good if someone tells them exactly what they need to do. <laughs> right. Um, but when they're left on their own, they just can't get going. They can't self-start. So yeah. any advice for the people out there who, who are struggling with, with being a self-starter? I think uh, know your weaknesses. And if you're not a self-starter, then hire a coach and 
have them stay on you every single week. If that's how you operate, we all operate differently. I feel like I'm a great self-starter. I know you are. But I also know that no matter how much passion and commitment I have and how great of a person I am when I work out, I can work out with the best of them. And I can work on my business with the best of them. But I tell you what, when I have a coach who's in the gym with me, I'm always going to push a little bit harder. I'm always going to have a little bit better form. I'm always going to be a little bit more intensified in my workouts. And I'm going to get a better result because I have a coach. No matter if I am great on my own, but nine times out of ten, that one time, I might take it easy or take a longer break or leave early because I'm tired. Because I'm just like, well, I did enough. So I recommend having that coach to keep you in track constantly. And I have a coach in a lot of areas of my life, in my business, my health, my relationships. And uh, I rely on those to keep me in track, give me the feedback. It doesn't mean I'm not doing all the work on my own still, but I rely for feedback to make sure I'm on the path to achieving my vision currently. How does that work? I've always been curious about that because I've never done that. I know a lot of people use coaches. Dude, you like, would crush it. What, what, would, like, what do you do with like, a business coach or like, with a would- career coach? You would crush it, man. I mean, because you're dominating so much right now, Just, I just know if you had a coach once a week that you talked to on the phone for 15 minutes um, for your business, let's say, you would tell them, okay, here's my goals. Here's my game plan. Here's my vision. Here's what I want. And then you, the right coach would really guide you to helping you keep on track and accelerate it faster than the when you wanted to achieve it. And I think it would happen extremely well for you and you would love it. So I I recommend checking it out and trying it for a few months, finding someone that you're really inspired by in business who's a great coach and uh, either hiring them or or seeing what arrangement you can have because it'd be an interesting experiment and it'd be a great blog post to say why men should hire coaches or or not hire coaches. Or not do it. All right. So let's getting back on track with our our Greek theme here, eudaimonia. (laughs) I like that. School of greatness, school of eudaimonia. Um, Aristotle said that, you know, we are what we repeatedly do, therefore excellence is a habit. Uh, and you have a chapter in your book about habits. And you, uh, you've talked to a lot of successful people. You've done a lot of research in, the, in success. And uh, are there any habits that you've seen that a lot of highly successful people have in their life? Yeah, you know, Brian Tracy also said successful people are simply those with successful habits. And um, we, can, we can have... A lot of us have bad habits, right? Uh, but the, the most successful people, the, most, the wealthiest people in the world, the, the people who have the biggest businesses, they do things differently. They have different habits. And some of them, uh, just for like the, the richest people in the world, when I was doing research on this, they maintain a to-do list. They wake up three hours before they start working to set themselves up for the day, and they have rituals before they start the day. They don't just open up the phone right away in bed and start emailing, they follow a process first. Um, they also educate themselves constantly. They're reading books. They're listening to audiobooks, They're learning constantly. They have a learner's mind. They are networking five hours each month at a minimum. They're connecting with people, new people, to build new relationships. They read 30-plus minutes a day. They exercise four days a week. I recommend five days a week myself. Uh, They eat minimal junk food. They watch one hour less of TV a day than the average person. Uh, They teach good daily success habits to their children. There's lots of things that they do. They write down their goals. They focus on accomplishing a specific goal. 
then they believe in lifelong educational self-improvement. These are a lot of those things. Awesome. What is your daily, your morning routine looking like right now? So I spend about, um, when I wake up right now, I'm, I'm trying to wake up at 7 a.m. every morning. It's, it depends on travel and everything, but the goal is 7 a.m. I wake up and then I do a, a process where I write down what I'm grateful for or I write in my journal for what I'm grateful for and what I want to create today. So my intention for the day, how I want to feel, what I want to create. And then I do a 13-minute guided visualization. This is something I started doing back in college. I started it the month before I broke the world record for the most receiving yards in a single football game. And it was the best season of my life. And I just decided to, to continue doing it because I was like, there's something to this grounding, what I like to call it. It's a grounding um, where you really connect to what you want to create. So I do a 13-minute guided visualization. It's just an audio with some music that a guy, this yogi, is talking and kind of guiding you through what you want to create for the day. Uh, I do that. Then I go and make my bed. I wake up and I make my bed to the best of my ability. Now, why is that? Okay, wait, why did you decide to start making your bed? I, I didn't do this until a, a, um, about two and a half years ago. I didn't start making my bed. I used to, maybe once in a while I'd make it, but it really just kind of like, when you had company coming over. Like, All yeah, right, right exactly. I'd like throw the sheet over or something. Um, but when I started making my bed, and I'm going to challenge every man and woman listening, if you don't make your bed, I want to challenge you to make your bed every day for the next seven days, right after you wake up, the first thing you do, make your bed and take a photo of it and tweet me at Lewis Howes or tag me and Brett on Instagram with a photo of your made bed. And I want you to tell me how it feels after one week by doing it. So why I do it is for a couple of reasons. One, it creates momentum in the day. It creates a completion action in the day. So I'm completing something, I'm getting a task done, and that builds momentum as opposed to just being lethargic and like walking into the next thing and reacting. So it's, it's, it's activating the day by completion. The second thing it does is it clears the energy. You know, when I come back into the room and I see a messy bed, I'm like, having a cluttered mind just by that uh, happening. So I clean the bed, make it nice. I pick up the room if I have clothes on the couch or whatever. I, I put that away so that when my – I know my bed is complete. My room is complete. It's clean. You know, our moms were right. We should make our bed and clean our room every single day, and I should have listened to her because it's had incredible effects and the clarity for the rest of my day. And when I do it over time, it just gets better and better. You know, the momentum builds over time when you do it. So you're going to start to feel those effects. So I recommend making your bed. Then I go for my workout. Uh, almost every morning I'll do some type of workout. Right now I'm in an off season. I'm not training heavily with the USA National Handball Team. So my workout's more cross-training and uh, lifting, running, playing pickup basketball, different things to keep me maintaining. Then um, I come back, I'll do some light stretching on my floor, take a shower, have a green juice, green smoothie as well, and then I kickstart and go into whatever the first meeting is. Or working, okay. Yeah. Interesting. I like, I like, I like listening about other people's morning routines. That's awesome. Um, yeah. So we, there's this myth in America that's really popular, and I, I'm kind of drawn to it as well. Uh, it's this idea is that there's the self-made man. Mm -hmm. Right. Like you start and there, there are a few examples. Like I think one of the best examples of an actual self-made man was Frederick Douglass. Uh, he started off as a slave, ended up being this publishing magnet basically. Wow. Um, but for the most part, like 
there isn't self-made men. There are usually a, a great success has a team supporting them. Yes. And you have a chapter dedicated in your book about, you know, developing a team around you. Yes. So what, what sort of people should a, a man have on their team to be successful in life? And I'm not just talking about business. I'm talking about yeah. just all aspects of it. Is it just like having a team of friends, having family? Is it having an account? I mean, what is it? What, what's a team that a man should have in his life? It's different for each man based on their visions and their goals, I believe. But, you know, I, I don't think there's any self-made man. I mean, we were born needing support of, of other people. And based on the support that we had from our parents, our, our siblings originally, we grew up a certain way based on that team. Then from school, we grew based on that team of teachers, of peers, uh, of staff. Then from our, our, you know, our sports teams as well, from those coaches. Like We grew with teams, with armies of people supporting us, whether we knew it or not. And I think it's important that we are very um, specific about who we want to spend our time with. I think, I don't know, Jim Rome or someone said, you know, we are the, the average of the five people we spend our time with. And I believe it's completely true. And for me, I'm always looking to find and attract quality people on my team. That means friends who are going to inspire me and lift me up. That means mentors. That means coaches. That means people on my specific business. I'm always looking to add um, great people to to increase the business, to add new talents and new skills. And I think it depends with where we're at currently in our emotional and physical development on who we attract and what we see we need. Um, but it's all about the team. And I had a guy, Scooter Braun, on who is uh, Justin Bieber's manager who discovered Justin Bieber on YouTube, built this you know, amazing empire around him. He was just like, you know, you cannot achieve greatness on your own. It's impossible. And... And your team may never be do it the way you want to do it as well. They may never do the things you really want to do the way you plan on it, but you can't do it without them. You can't go to the next step without other people supporting you. You couldn't do all the video, all the writing, all the design, all the coding, all the email marketing, the social media, and the content creation all on your own and be where you're at right now. It's taking a team of people to support you to get there. And maybe those people don't do everything you want them to do the way you like it, but they get it done. And sometimes it's even better. And yeah. so we just have to be aware of that and embrace the part of the process. And I think of, uh, you know, individual athletes who may be like, you know, tennis players or golfers who you think like they may be their self-made or they, they train on their own, but they have probably teams of 50 people from the trainers to the coaches, to their families, to their training partners, um, you know, the sports psychologists, like everyone plays into their success. And if you don't have the right people on the team, it might hold you back. Well, then how do you go about developing this? Then, right? So I'm going to ask you, like the, you're the expert networker. You're the LinkedIn guy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> how do you uh, network and, and meet these new people in your, and to be able to find these people that you can bring into your team? I mean, for me, it's, it's always been who inspires me? Who am I attracted to? Who's doing things in the world that I want to do, that I want to be like, that I want to embody and embrace? And from there, it's developing those relationships. It's going out and making them happen. It's, you know, we, all, we can all do it in a different way. I do it through my podcast. You do it through your blog and podcast where you're attracting people to you. But you're also, you know, I created the podcast so that I can have a platform to interview people like you and people like John Maxwell and people like Tony Robbins because I wanted to build relationships with these inspiring individuals and learn from them and 
create partnerships long-term. So we can all do it different ways. Early on, I just did it through emailing people on LinkedIn and going to networking events and adding value to these individuals. I think when you ask them for help, it's a, a big turnoff. I know you probably get a, a few hundred emails a day from people asking for advice, and it's a turnoff sometimes. But when we come to people saying, hey, I want to add value to, do, to you, here's how I can support you, and it's going to take none of your time, and I don't want anything in return, that's a much better way of building a relationship with someone. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think the, the adding, trying to add value to someone's life. We had uh, John Corrigan on, on the podcast, and he's written some mm-hmm. uh, pieces for us as well. And he's that's his big thing. It's like just find ways to like improve people's lives, make their lives that's easier. It. And it could be as simple as just like if you know someone is in a particular industry, right? Maybe it's your boss or some coworker at your office. Like shoot them a link uh, to an article that might help them with the problem they've been working on. Just like, I thought exactly. this would help. That's it. And don't, don't ask for anything. Just like, there it. it is. Don't ask for anything. And the more you do that, over, and I did this with Tim Ferriss for about three years. When I read his book, I would email him like every four to six months because I really wanted to build a relationship with him. And I would email him whenever he would have a new book or something he wanted to promote. I would promote it as hard as I could and, and show him and be like, hey, man, I just shared this everywhere. Uh, I emailed to my list. Like, let me know how else I can serve you. And I would do that for years. Until eventually we became friends, we met in person, and then he invited me to come speak at his conference. And you know, and the relationship has grown from there. But that's what I do. It might take years to build a relationship with someone you want to be on your team or have just connection with. And it's going to take giving and giving and giving for years, potentially, in order for that to happen. All right. That sounds some great, solid advice there. Now, you, you in the book, talking about how service is the capstone Yes. In the, the the capstone class in the school of greatness, <laughs> and why is that? I mean, what what? How do you take this idea of being great mm-hmm. personally, and and transferring that to like being great for the wider community? Mm. You know, I'll, I'll share a story with you. You know, my my dream as a kid was to be an all American athlete and then to be a pro athlete, and I remember working so hard to be an All-American decathlete. I was an All-American decathlete and then All-American football player. And I remember there was just like my mission was to do that. And then right when I achieved All-American decathlete, I was up on the podium in front of the, the whole stadium at, this, at the track and field national championships. And I got my award. I was happy for about 15 minutes and then I was depressed and, and nasty the rest of the night around my teammates, around my coach, around my family. I was just like, I didn't want them around. I was miserable. And it wasn't until, and I was the same way after football when I got that. And the same way after pro football, I was like, I was just nasty. When I would achieve my goals, I wasn't happy. And later in life, I really discovered that the reason I wasn't happy or fulfilled was because I was going after my dreams from a place of proving people wrong. I was like, I'm going to show you why I'm great. I'm going to show you why you're wrong. And whatever you say about me isn't true. And I'm going to do this in spite of you. And so I, ha- I was driven by anger and this fuel of resentment as opposed to serving and inspiring other people and inspiring myself. And when I started to shift that and realize that, okay, I need to come from – if I want to achieve my dreams, it must come from a place of serving me, inspiring me, and impacting people around me. Otherwise, I'm going to always feel unfulfilled because it's coming from a place of proving others wrong were only self-serving. And uh, that took a while and a lot of pain and frustration for me to figure that, out, that lesson out. 
And all the people that I interview who are at the top of their game, they have some type of mission that is bigger than them. They have some type of service or some type of charity that they're connected to or committed to in their business. It's not just about making lots of money. They have a deeper mission of why they want to make money or why they want to achieve their dreams or why they want to be a great athlete. And that continues to fuel them in a positive way. So I look at living a life of service as something we all must embody on a daily basis. That doesn't mean we're trying to cure cancer every single day. What it means is we open the door for someone at a restaurant. We smile at each person when we walk down the street. We say hello. We give an extra second longer hug. We do those little things every day that are going to lead into bigger moments for people's lives as well. And we figure out how can we impact people and serve other people in our businesses and our community and our relationships. And by doing that, we're going to be much more fulfilled and it's going to be sustaining our life a lot longer. Yeah. And my experience has been this, is that whenever you have a service mindset, it actually, you get better because of it course. Right. Um, when you're, when you're working for something that's other than yourself. And I think that's what a lot of like personal development blogs and books are missing. It's all about, okay, you got to look, you got to exercise and you have to do all the things like, but for what? Right. Like, it's like, okay, I look ripped. I look shredded. I've got lots of money. I'm living the uh, location independent lifestyle. Now what? Exactly. And it's just like, you get, you have that moment of, geez, I just, I don't know. Like you have an existential crisis. And in my, my life, in my experience, I look back at my life when I've, when I've done the my I've been about my peak performance is always when I'm working for something bigger. That's yes. not just me. Like when I when football, it's a perfect example. Like I trained so hard and like I threw my body on the line so hard. Not for me. It was like, I wanted like to help my team out. Yeah. Like I wanted to help the team get to state. That was the goal. Um, and now when I'm exercising, you have to come up with some sort of other reason beyond state. It has to be like, yeah, okay, I'm then doing just this a six pack. Yeah. then just a six pack. It's like, I'm, that won't last. Exactly. The donut, the donut will look so good. And you'll be like, oh, I want the donut. I want the donut. But so yeah. I, I exercise, you know, because it helps my mental game, helps me be strong for my family, you know, it'd be of yeah. service. I want to be useful, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah, it's just like, I feel like having that service or mindset can actually help you help catapult your own personal development. Exactly. I mean, there's so many stories that I know you hear and I hear from people who are 40 years old that like that made all the money, that got the boats and the houses and the cars. And then they're like, what am I doing? And they actually like changed their whole lifestyle around because they're like, this doesn't feel good anymore. Like I went after the stupid stuff and that's not serving me. And then they find out kind of the meaning of life, which is to, you know, give more meaning to other people. And, uh, and then they switch it around. So I think if we can create a lifestyle where we're we're making money. I think money's great. You know, I'm, I'm, I love money and I love experiences. I don't really buy a lot of things. I don't care about material things. I like to have access and experiences and a nice lifestyle. But I want to make more money to serve more people. And that's why I'm creating my business the way I am. Awesome. So, hey, Lewis, it's been a great conversation. Uh, before we go, though, where can people learn more about your work? They can go to lewishouse.com. Um, or my podcast, The School of Greatness. Awesome. Lewis House, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure. I appreciate it. Like I said, it was Lewis House. He's the author of the book, The School of Greatness. You can find that on Amazon.com and bookstores everywhere. You can also check out Lewis's content at lewishouse.com. Uh, and you can also check out his podcast, uh, The School of Greatness, on iTunes or Stitcher, or whatever it is you listen to your podcast. 
Well, that wraps up another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. For more manly tips and advice, make sure to check out the Art of Manliness website at artofmanliness.com. And again, if you enjoy this show and you get something out of it, I'd really appreciate it if you'd give us a review on iTunes or Stitcher, whatever it is you use to listen to the podcast. I'd really appreciate it. Thank you for your continued support. And until next time, this is Brett McKay telling you to stay manly. Stay manly.